Hi, and welcome. I'm Jim Fries, and this is The Conversation, a podcast airing viewpoints on the impact of artificial intelligence on business and society. On today's episode, we're joined by Dr. Frida Pauli, co-founder and CEO of Pymetrics, a talent matching platform that combines AI and behavioral neuroscience to pair people with the job openings that match their skill set. Frida launched the company in 2013 after noticing shortcomings in the recruiting and hiring process. It can be biased, it's often inefficient, it relies too much on what the candidate has achieved in the past rather than what they can achieve at a new company. Today, she'll share how companies can improve that process, resulting in significantly higher retention rates and more diverse hires. Frida, welcome to the conversation. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me. We're thrilled to have you here. So you have a pretty impressive background as a former MIT and Harvard cognitive neuroscientist before your turn as an entrepreneur. What inspired you to found Pymetrics and how did your early experiences in research and and business school shape the company? Yeah, so I transitioned out of academia through the MBA program at Harvard. It was there that I saw recruiting firsthand for two years and I was just struck by a couple of things. First of all, that what people wanted to know about somebody was not what was on their resume that was very easily accessible to everyone. It was was not on their resume. It was their potential to do a job, not their pedigree. So that's essentially that raw human potential is what we had been measuring in the lab for you know decades, essentially, as cognitive scientists. It's their you know cognitive, social, and emotional aptitude, inherent abilities that we're all born with. And so I was just really struck by that, that really there was no way to measure people's potential for a role rather than simply their you know resume experience pedigree. And, and then on top of all of that, I just could see that this very resume-driven process was leading to a lot of mistakes, right? So we had you know, classmates of mine who you could have told them from a potential perspective, they were the wrong fit for the role. I'll never forget someone who was applying for investment banking, but really liked to sleep 15 hours a day. But like, you know, she's a smart girl, got the job and then two days in hated it. Right. And those many, many stories like that. Right. That was one problem that I saw is that, you know, not assessing potential for a role led to a lot of bad fits. And then the second piece that I saw was really biased, right? Like the way that people were assessing folks was, you know, leading to, you know, biased outcomes where I'll take myself. I wanted to be a tech entrepreneur. There are not that many women. There certainly aren't that many women who are, you know, single parents that have graced the covers of, you know, entrepreneur magazines. So it really was this issue of that, you know, this pedigree based approach to hiring also yielded a lot of bias in the process. Yeah, that's really interesting. I love how you characterize it raw human potential. How does the Pymetrics platform blend AI and neuroscience to optimize talent matching? So again, all of the technology that we've brought to bear on this problem is not something we developed, right? So the cognitive science behind measuring human potential is something that has been done now in labs across the world for decades, right? And that's how I became exposed to it. So what cognitive scientists have learned that is sort of an evolution from, you know, sort of the paper and pencil questionnaires of, you know, the 1950s is that if you measure people's behavior while they are doing certain activities, that is a much better signal of their raw potential for 
for certain things and asking them to self-report on something, right? So the analogy that I have is that if you really want to know how much someone weighs, you're far better off putting them on a scale than asking them to self-report on their weight, right? So what we do is have them go through a series of behavioral activities, again, all of which have been developed in academic labs for the last couple of decades that look at things like planning, sequencing, generosity, emotional EQ, risk profile, and on and on, a whole series of what we would consider people's sort of raw attributes. And there's no right or wrong way to behave on these activities. It's really telling us whether you're sort of more on this end of the spectrum, sort of more risk-taking, or whether you're less risk-taking, for example, to take risk, or for planning, whether you're more of a spontaneous planner or a very methodical one. And then what we do, the AI piece comes in when it's about matching somebody's profile to the right opportunities, right? So Frida Pali has a particular, you know, raw potential profile. And then the next thing I want to know is, okay, well, what does that make me more versus less well-suited for it doesn't mean that I can't go do something that I'm not as well-suited for. It's just going to point me in the directions of things that I'm more well-suited for. And that's where the AI piece comes in, that we've collected millions of profiles now, of people that are gainfully employed in different industries and jobs and roles, and created hundreds of models to then map people to say, hey, Jim, you just went through our system. Here are all the jobs that you're high fit for. These are the ones that you're medium fit for, and these are the ones that you're low fit for. And then again, it doesn't block you or prevent you from pursuing a career that, you know, Pymetric says you're maybe not as well fit for, because obviously companies are evaluating other things other than just your raw potential as measured by Pymetrics. But we hope that it gives somebody a unique data signal that then is also unbiased. I mean, that's another piece by which to evaluate someone. That's really interesting. You're also a strong advocate for ethical AI and, and tackling bias in technology. You've touched on it a little bit, but how have you brought that kind of an ethos to life in the Pymetrics platform? Yeah, absolutely. Look, so, you know, the problem with ethical AI is that everyone has a slightly different definition. So I'll be very clear in my definition. So our technology uh, is ethical in that it has no disparate impact. So disparate impact is essentially a big fancy word for gender or ethnic bias. A lot of tools out there, unfortunately, still have a lot of disparate impact um, and it's well known, but people are just not addressing it in the way that they should. These are AI-based tools and non-AI-based tools. For example, cognitive testing, which is used by 50% of companies and you know is administered by companies like Wonderlic that have been around since the 1930s, you know, use cognitive tests that produce very poor racial outcomes. So for every 10, you know, Caucasians that pass uh, a cognitive test, only three African-Americans are passing. And it's not because what we're measuring is the problem. It's because of the way the test has been designed. So because there are a lot of tools with disparate impact out there in market, our whole thing is that, you know, we will not release any algorithms that have disparate impact. And there's a, a threshold that's legally defined as, you know, fairness between, you know, genders and races. And we abide by that threshold. And that's our commitment to our clients, to our candidates that go through it, is that you can be assured that if you go through our platform, there is no racial or gender bias in the outcomes that we have. And we're actually in the process of publishing aggregate data across hundreds of thousands of candidates that have gone through our platform in order to actually have some evidence out there so that people don't just have to take my word for it. It's a very compelling value proposition to be able to assert that and have data to back it up. Totally. The pandemic has changed everything. It's certainly upended the, the job market, leading to you know the great resignation and, and just 
you know, I think a situation that probably nobody could have could have foreseen. And it's also completely transformed uh, the way we we work. What shifts or trends in hiring have you seen over the course of the last year? Yeah, I think the shifts we've seen, many of them are positive. One is sort of a, a less of a reliance on sort of traditional methods that I think could lead to bias. So for example, a lot of people in the early career space are relying less on sort of physical, you know, job fairs, right? Which I don't think uh, you, anyone enjoyed, whether you were on the recruiter side or the candidate side, and are relying much more on sort of digital processes. And I think the, the good part about that is that it really opens up a lot more opportunity. I mean, with a physical job fair, it's far more limiting in terms of the variety and diversity of applicants that you can consider. With a virtual one, it's really the sky's the limit in terms of who you can consider. And so I think that that's a really positive trend that, you know, in this reliance on digital tools, it really opens up the door of possibility and opportunity for folks. Now, the flip side is I think then we have to be really certain that the tools we're using to then make decisions along the way don't have disparate impact because, you know, then if not, you're throwing all sorts of diversity at the top of the funnel. But if your tools are still exhibiting a lot of disparate impact, then you're you're clearly not going to end up with a different outcome than what we had before. Absolutely. So one of the things we talked a lot about on this podcast in many different episodes is consumer comfort with AI. Leveraging technology and hiring may seem a bit of a polarizing idea for, for some who don't understand kind of the ins and outs. How does Pymetric think about the issue of consumer comfort and just general acceptance? What do you think right. it will take for the everyday person to appreciate yeah. value AI uh, tech delivers? Yeah, well, again, Jim, I would go back to the fact that, first of all, the reality is, and actually HBS, Joe Fuller at HBS wrote a paper with a number of folks that came out recently, basically saying that, look, 99% of Fortune 500 companies are using automated decision-making, oftentimes with AI associated with it, at the top of their funnel. And it's been happening since the 1990s. So the fact that it's like all of a sudden being discussed, I think is more a factor of us becoming more interested in it rather than like, oh, it just started happening. Like it's been happening now for decades, right? Three decades. Yeah, it's um, a really good point. Interest and awareness of it, right? You're, yeah, yeah, exactly. So so I think that it's been happening for three decades and the more antiquated technologies that are in much broader use actually are far more problematic than some of sort of, you know, I mean, we're a social impact venture. Like we, our whole premise is that we're improving, you know, outcomes and we have to report on that to our, you know, social impact investors. So I think that the point is there's much more heightened focus on it. And so now I think it's really about gaining or regaining trust um, of the consumer. And I think the way you can do that is through, you know, transparency uh, and explainability. And that's really what we focus on. And that's why I was mentioning to you that we're going to be publishing our disparate impact results, because at the end of the day, like anyone can say, oh, my tool is fair, my tool is this, but if, the, but if we don't actually have to provide any data to support that, I mean, I'm with the consumer. I, I mean, how do I know that that's actually true? So it's about providing, you know, transparency into the systems that you've built. We couldn't agree more in our business. You know, we apply AI as the front door to our customer service operations. And it's often the case that consumers don't know that they're dealing with an AI bot, so to speak. Yep. And we always recommend to our customers that they let the consumer know at the beginning so that the consumer doesn't feel tricked and, and they Absolutely. know when, you know that they're dealing with artificial intelligence. And we've got primary research that suggests that transparency really yep. does help with consumer. Yep. And the other thing I would know, Jim, is that AI, I think it's been cast as, you know, the big bad villain, but but I think actually I view it as much more, it's a little bit like laparoscopic surgery, right? Like if the, 
you know, resume parsers of the 1990s, which are still in widespread use are sort of like, you know, traditional surgery where you're cutting up half the body and it's a giant mess. You know, I think AI can actually be far more fair than some of these other systems and much less, you know, not destructive at all, basically. And so I think it's, it's unfortunate that the narrative on AI has been cast uh, in such light. Although, you know, quite frankly, there are problematic uses of artificial intelligence. I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, stuff written on sort of facial recognition and hiring. I, I don't think that's a great idea, you know, but I think, again, it's about enabling the consumer to be more discerning, I think, about the different types of technologies that are out there. Absolutely. So one last question for you. Where do you see room for AI to expand its role in hiring? We haven't thought about it so much as where could it expand? I mean, obviously it could go into videos, it could, video interviewing and all the rest of it. It could go into performance management ratings after someone's been hired. I think we've been really focused on expanding into internal mobility and reskilling and learning and development because all of those areas lend themselves very well to what our platform does at its core. Yeah, you kind of touched on it earlier too, where you talked about not only focusing just on the top of the funnel for purposes of, of recruiting, but actually probably further down in the funnel for purposes of hiring as well. And, and, and after the fact too, as well. So really fascinating episode, really interesting technology. And we very much appreciate you joining us on this episode of The Conversation. It was a pleasure to be here. On the next episode of The Conversation, we'll be joined by Bridget Fry, the Chief Technology Officer at Redfin. We'll talk about how the company combines AI and agent savvy to make the home buying process faster, easier, and less stressful and the diverse technical team behind the scenes that make it all possible. This episode of the Conversation Podcast was produced by Interactions, a conversational AI company. I'm Jim Free signing off, and we'll see you next time.